Let's get, get, get it. If your thought process has not yielded success and your goal is success, then you need to change your thought process in a way that is oriented towards success. That might come through reading books, listening to podcasts, talking to successful people. But you can't be out there talking to Ray Ray and Pookie, who ain't got shit, listening to their advice on the world. I just, I don't do that. I don't do that at all. They know who we be. Tweet talk. Episode 66. That's right, y'all. It's lit. Woo, time. Hot, hot. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of Generational Wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates. Exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Are we on the air? Tweet sugar? dope when it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganet himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode of LeBron James on the Heat. I don't know why he doesn't. I like the number six number, man. I thought that was a cool era for LeBron James. It was weird, but you got used to it. You know? I think that's also Dr. J, was it? Maybe? It was. It definitely was Dr. J. Um, yeah, man. Fun times. I think we referenced that. We, I feel like we talk about LeBron James over every and over. Week. <laughs> every week. But, I mean... It's so crazy. Somebody was talking about how he's like 35 out there playing with like some 25-year-olds and just hoping, man. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Next next episode, we'll start. We'll talk about some of his investments a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of investments, <clears throat> this week's billionaire spotlight is David Stewart. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, I was going to say too. Yeah, he's actually the second-ranked billionaire behind Robert Smith. I just looked at the numbers. Uh, Robert Smith is ranked at $5 billion. And David Stewart has three point five billion, I believe. Um, I just looked at it on, on Forbes. They have him at three point seven. Oh, okay, okay. A little, it's in two, a little two hundred million ain't nothing to him. You know, three point seven, three point five. It's all the same. That's crazy. Um, but for those who don't know, um, the company that he owns is called Telco. Telco Buy. Um, well, he's the founder of Telco Buy, and he also owns a company called uh, Worldwide Technology. And that company, you wouldn't even know this company exists. I've never heard of that company. Right. But he is massively, massively wealthy, um, which I think kind of speaks to this idea of like fame versus wealth. And Kanye West, he did this thing recently where <clears throat> I think he like listed a whole bunch of like very wealthy business people. And it was all people like nobody would ever know. Like, who are these people? And so he was just kind of talking about how we're out here in front of the camera dancing and being famous, thinking that fame is the way to wealth. And then you got these dudes behind the scenes just making stuff move. Like, it's way more difficult to be famous than it is to be rich and wealthy. As long as you provide a service, an essential business, something that people can get use out of, you go, you, you make as much money as you want to, man. It's crazy. Like, I honestly, after seeing the light of how much money you can make off of selling things, the idea of working for money is just so foreign to me. It's just insane. I'll take a year and just focus on what my next product is going to be. And if I can launch something soon, then great. But if I can't, um, I'm going to be working towards launching that next product. 
That's it. More product. Master P knew. Master P, he knows, Raphael. Like, we out here, like, second-guessing, like, ah, he got shoes, he got cup of noodles, he got whatever, and they out here protesting for equal rights. He ain't protesting for, for, protest for equal rights. He got his rights. He good because he got product. When you got products, you don't got to protest. You don't, yeah. man, because your products do the protesting for you. You don't got to, man. Right, right. And what you got, Raphael? Going back to uh, David Stewart real quick. So David Stewart is 69 years old. Uh, he uh, founded Worldwide Technology in 1990. That's 30 years ago. 30 years this guy's been doing this. And it spun off, I believe, in 1999. TelcoBuy.com, like Charles was talking about. This guy's a billionaire, an IT company with a very generic name. Yeah. He has an IT company by the name of Worldwide Technology. How long do you think he sat down and, and brainstormed that, that name? <laughs> names, names don't matter. I think it, it speaks to the power of tech as well. There's a whole bunch of money in this tech stuff. It's unlimited scale. So you want to be in a business where there's unlimited scale because that means you can make unlimited money. He's so, like, nobody even really knows he exists, though, man. That's the weird part about it. Right. I first heard of him uh, maybe a year ago. I'm not even sure it was that long ago. Maybe six, eight months ago, first heard of him. I was like, who is this guy? Right, right. You know, and he's worth $3.7 bill. And his company did, I believe, in 2018, 2019, $11 billion in sales. I'm not sure about this year or last, but that's a lot of money. Right. You know, you might want to compare his company to like other bigger companies, but I mean, eleven billion dollars is nothing to sneeze at. Like, I feel like the crazy part about it is like we lost these individuals up there, right? Like three point five, but even still, he's ranked like seven hundred and fifty on the Forbes list. Right. That means there's seven hundred and forty nine people that earn more than what he earns, and he earns a lot of money. And there's only two of us at that number. I mean, there's two in that range. And I think that's important because there's probably a whole bunch of other unknown billionaires in that list. So we aren't the only people that have unknown billionaires. Other cultures have unknown billionaires right. who just own all these random things. But I always tell people there's no employees on the Forbes list. So you can work as hard as you want in the job. I don't care if you make six figures. You're bragging about not making, you're bragging about not being rich. When you brag about making six figures, you're bragging <laughs> about not being rich. So. We got to get that unknown, that invisible money. I need that invisible bread, bro. Let's get that invisible bread. Uh, I like that. And uh, so for those who are new to the show, I'm your co-host, Raphael Husbands. You can find me on Twitter at Work Money Life. Here with my co-host, Charles Oglesby Third JD. Please say the JD. A.K.A. at Todd Billion on Twitter. You probably run into him. A.K.A. Mr. Did Not Pay to be featured in Forbes. <laughs> I, I didn't pay Forbes no money, but they assume we paid them. I don't know why they be hating on us. I, I don't know why. They see me doing dope shit. Sometimes I be like, do I do dope shit or do I not do dope shit? Because I be feeling like I don't do dope shit because the way they be talking, you would think I didn't work for this. And I, I worked for this. Mm-hmm. And every week, seems like every couple of days now, we break down some tweets and we talk about building black welfare on this show. Yep. We talk the Blackwell podcast. And what is going on this week in the world of Todd Capital? Todd Capital, by the way, is the name of the firm that Charles founded about three, four years ago? About four years ago. Yeah. So um, first off, we got to do the stock market recap. And stock slid about 500 points today on the Dow. 
Um, people are flipping out. I posted a tweet and it was like, when we hit days like this, people act like the, si- the sky is falling. But tomorrow, we're going to be acting like we never seen a ceiling in our whole life when these stocks start running. And so I want to encourage people to not let what's happening in the market impact your actual mood. You got to still be hustling. You got to still be grinding. You got to still be getting it in. Why? Because that's when you're going to get the most value. You're going to get the most value when you run into those lows. So if you start getting all depressed and all sad when we run into lows, you're missing out on opportunities. And so for me, I did a bunch of buying today. I bought more SPG. I bought more. Um, this week's show and every other show is sponsored by Todd Capital. And I'm over here trying to record. She's just slamming these damn doors. What's wrong with these people? I don't even understand people. With TV. I don't even slam doors in general. Mm. In my house, we were taught to gently close doors. I just don't understand these people are so reckless. So back to what I was saying. Um, use these times to buy. Buy. You got to recondition your mind. A lot of people, they're waiting for when it's the green day. And everybody's happy and it's a celebration and that's when they want to buy. And that's 100% wrong. That's not how you buy stocks. That's not even how you live life. When you live life, you start to hustle when you run into those low points in life. When you run into those low points in life, you do a lot of stuff that you wouldn't normally do. You sleep on that couch. You will eat off the dollar menu. You will work that extra shift. You will drive Uber at nighttime. And so when you run into those difficulties, you should be happy because you know that the trying of your faith works patience. And that's why the Bible says, count it all joy when you run into trials and tribulations, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. And so whenever I run into these struggles, these situations, like the reason why I'm able to do what I'm doing now is because I went through all that stress back in the day. I'm running rehabs, trying to get stuff passed through the land bank. I was talking to my wife. I was like, wow, like I've legit done like three full rehabs on homes, all long distance, three full rehabs. And I thought that was pretty impressive because the most recent rehab is a full burned out house. And before that, it was like a house that was like decrepit. The roof was all leaking and all that stuff. Um, and so basically what I'm saying is that like these moments right now are what's going to make us in the future. You don't want to see things like this and think that the stock market's never going to win again because that's how you lose money. So don't sell, don't run when you run into these situations. What's happening at Tide Capital? Um, so we walked away from the St. Louis deals and I'll tell you why. Mm. We had it under contract, four homes, tenant occupied, um, $75,000. And then a week before we were supposed to close, I got the inspection reports back. And they also revealed to me that two of the doors were vacant. And so for me, I'm like uh, a hood property that's vacant probably has a whole bunch of deferred maintenance that I'm going to have to catch up on. I'm going to have to get it tenant ready. And all the stuff that I try to avoid by buying tenant occupied properties, I'm going to have to go through. Why do I want tenant occupied properties? Because I don't got to do anything to them. They're literally cash flowing from day one. If I have to have a rehab, now we're talking about, okay, you got to pay $75,000 plus another $20,000 to get a roof, to get new flooring, to upgrade everything else, to paint the walls, to fix all the little tweaks and turns. And now a $75,000 deal turns into a $95,000 or $100,000 deal. And I didn't want to do that. And so I walked. Um, I was kind of nervous. I mean, the good thing is I kept my cash. So now I have some cash to deploy some other deals. I'm probably going to take it slow and kind of just kind of put out like 50 grand and see what I can get back on 50 grand. I'm looking at doing a flip in Chicago or even just getting some trucks, but we got to get this cash flow going. And I mean, it's so crazy how cash flow, like you put out 50 grand and you could do a lot with 50 grand. So 50 grand, if leveraged can cash flow you a lot of money, that could buy five trucks or that could buy five rental cars. And that's a thousand dollars a month. And so and that's $5,000 a month. So we're looking to, to get this cash out there to get some cash coming in. 
Um, we have a ton coming in. We have a ton that's just kind of sitting reserves. My my Thai Capital account is different than my personal accounts. And so my Thai Capital account, essentially, it, it, it exists of just the options community money. And so as options community money comes in, I'm looking for places to put that money to bring me back cash in. And so right now, I mean, we're looking to deploy that cash so we can turn that fast money into permanent money for my son. Outside of that, man, we're just finishing up some rehabs. Options community is growing. We have an interview with uh, Taylor Kia Kalili. I don't know how to pronounce that name, but he's like super killing. I'm excited about this interview because a lot of people were just like super inspired by him and just trying to add value, starting the mastermind group. So we're 10X. It's funny because like my wife thinks that if I don't work for my job, I'm going to not do anything, but I feel like it's just going to be tie capital 10X. We might do one of these every day, Raphael. Do one of mm-hmm. these every day. Do a tie capital millionaire podcast more frequently. Start getting some other guests out there. I've just I've run out of time. I'm at I'm at the point in my life where I literally the job holds me back, and I'm glad that I'm there, but it's still kind of suffering. So we did get um, an email. We went and saw our house. Our house is basically done. They put the cabinets in there. They put the countertops in there. They painted the walls. The only thing they haven't done to our house is install the floor, which is crazy, huh? Uh-huh. But that's what they want to do last. They want to put the floor in last and. Um, so pretty soon it's going to like right now, it's just like a door on there, but no, uh, no handle. So we just walk in there as we please, but the garage doors in there, garage door openers up. It's crazy, man. It's, it's, it's kind of surreal because like, I mean, California is expensive. And so you see a lot of people and they're buying homes and they're buying their homes for like 300 grand, 200 grand. California, it's, it's not what other states are. And so for me to get this property, it took a heroic effort. Um, it took me becoming very, very well off <laughs> because it's just, that's how California is, unfortunately. And um, I mean, we could, if, for, for where we want to live. So if we were to live, I mean, you can move to like, there are $300,000 homes in California, but they're not the proximity to Los Angeles as our house is going to be. Um, they're not the proximity to Ranch Cucamonga and all those other really nice areas. And so we, we kind of paid a premium for that, but it's cool to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, they took the fence down from in front of the house. And now you just see house, it's amazing. I was looking at our backyard and it's like a California backyard. So it's not like this huge yard, but I was like, that's our yard. Mm. And we're going to be relaxing in our yard. I might find a way to put a TV in our yard. So it's just, it's dope, man. It's a great feeling. And we're sprinting towards the finish line. We just got to kind of hone our focus into house, 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 and let all the, the Rolex chatter cease. So I saw, yeah. I saw this fly Rolex in person and seeing a Rolex in person is way different than seeing it on, on the screen, it's like, at first it's like a letdown. You're like, that's it. But then you're like, okay, it's, it's less intimidating now. Like, yeah, it's not cheap, but it's like, it's more real. You realize it's just a watch. It's not like a magic wand or it's not like this, mm-hmm. this, this illustrious thing. So things go right. We'll get one for Christmas. You got to buy the wife one too, though. All right. But is she going to want it though? I think so. Okay. She doesn't really wear watches like that, but she might wear one of those. And a women, it'll be a women's Rolex. It won't be like a men's Rolex. Women's Rolex is actually not that expensive. It's like five grand. You would think it'd be way more, right? Yeah, I mean, the small, I, mean, they, I guess less women want them. Yeah. I think. But, I mean, if you get the right one, it's a classy watch. She won't wear it every day, yeah. but I mean, when she, any girl that I've known that owns a Rolex wears their Rolex. Sierra has a Rolex and she wears her Rolex. Uh, my friend, his wife, she had a Rolex and she wore her Rolex all the time. Like she never took it off. It was kind of interesting you also don't really have to take it off because it like winds itself but hmm. and to get there you said exit the job at all costs yeah man um 
I don't know what made me write that, but I'm like, I feel like I can see the end of the tunnel. And uh-huh. so I have like two weeks, two weeks left until, um, two weeks left. And I mean, we feel like it's two weeks left. We went, we looked at the house, like really all they have to do is install the floors. And that's like a, maybe a, a two day job. They go in there and they lay it all down, maybe like two to five days. They also have to tile the bathroom and all that stuff. So it's tile flooring, that kind of stuff. And so I'm just looking at it like it's time. It's time to get it out of this place because these paychecks ain't shit, Raphael. They ain't a damn thing. And yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it's like, it's crazy. But in actuality, a lot of the reasons why I've kind of stuck with the job is because I wanted access to downtown LA. And now I have access to downtown LA. I have my own crib, I have my own space. And quite honestly, I might end up getting my own actual place. I've been looking at the Griffin. Uh, so the goal is to make that happen. And, you know, I'll be in downtown LA on my, on my terms. And I feel like I've always loved the city because to me, it signifies a lot of different things. And I tell people that you got to get in the right environment to really maximize your potential. And so for me, it's crazy when I'm just driving down the street or riding down the street on the scooter and I see a Bentley truck or a, 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 a Rolls Royce truck or a Lamborghini. It's commonplace out here. So if I were to get one, it wouldn't be like, what? He got this? And I need to be in spaces like that. I need to be in spaces where like excellence is the norm, not the exception, because it pushes you towards excellence. If you've never seen anybody drive a Bentley truck and you hear me say Bentley truck, Raphael, like that dude's wilding. But if everybody got one, I'm just the normal guy with a Bentley truck or a Rolls Royce truck. I just happen to be a brother with a suit on, you know, living my life, renting it out of the lease that I got on my trucks or whatever I got, because I got it. I got to get there, man. And so that we got to get out of the job. I was reading the book Millionaire Fastlane. If you guys have never read that book, it, it gives you this quote and I've been trying to find it. And it says basically like the mathematics of a job are wealth punitive, meaning that the problem with the job is you have limited leverage. You can only, and I've talked about this in this show, like if I have a task in my business, I delegate it. If I have a task on the job, it's my task to get done. And so I can only do one thing. I can't have two flips going at one point in time if I got to be the person swinging the hammer. But if I don't have to be the person swinging the hammer, now I can run two flips, which means I can make twice the money, which means once I get to the point where I can do five of these at the same time, now I'm doing five of these. And quite honestly, I'm looking to get into flips instead of rental properties because I would rather be in a deal for 30 days or for 90 days then for 90 months. And I just want to make that cash quick. I want to put up big cash, flip out of it and move on to the next deal. I used to really not like flipping, but I'm kind of tired of being a landlord. I'd rather deal with contractors than deal with tenants, even though I don't really like contractors and then get to the point where I am the contractor, where I'm the GC. And so when you have your time, when you own your time, now I can study for the GC license. If I decide to study for the GC license, I can become a GC or I can actually put the time into finding these off-market deals. I drive by stuff all the time. Like I would love to send them a letter, call them, but I don't have the time to do it. I give my job my best time of my day. And so you're ignorant. You're ignorant of the lending. You're ignorant of the deals that are out there. You're ignorant of all the money-making opportunities because you're stuck in this job and they are robbing you. I feel like your job is nothing more than a record deal. And people mm-hmm. all know that these record deals, are they're, they're getting robbed. Or even still, a job is like a pro-athlete contract. We always talk about how much these athletes are making, but how much are these owners making? Right. How much are they making? We don't ever talk about that. You want to know why? Because they don't want you to know. If you know how much the owners is making, then you want to raise. Because yeah. the best football player in the world is making a half a billion over 10 years. That's a long contract. 10 years, 
and it's likely not guaranteed. 10 years, he might retire in two years, three years, four years. They're giving you these contracts, but they don't really have to guarantee you any money. It's not really a contract until you play it all out. Yeah. I remember one time Shaq, a long time ago, Shaq said, um, I guess he had got a, a new contract with the Lakers or he had just got there the first time. And he said, if somebody can afford to pay me $20 million a year, like how much do you think they're making? 100%. Another thing is, I just had this thought, but a lot of times people, when they hear about like a 360 deal, they're like, oh man, 360 deal, F that. They're getting paid off of everything. But your job has you in a quasi 360 deal as well. Because a lot of these people, they're like, I can't do any outside activities. I can't sell this course. I can't create my own business because my job said it's a conflict of interest. So basically, they said, all the money that you're ever going to make is going to come through us. And that sounds like slavery. Student loans, working jobs, having to get loans from Kelly. That shit is all slavery. I'm looking at, I'm like, I dare Kelly to tell me no. I dare you, Kelly, <laughs> because I want to be able to own, because I was telling my wife, I was like, wife, you don't understand. Like if you put, if you buy a house in cash, you're not really buying anything. You're literally just taking money and putting it in one different place. Like it's the craziest thing. You live in it. You can raise a family in it. It's going to appreciate and value the mm-hmm. only responsibility. And, and it also like just opens you up to freedom from that point on. That is freedom, man. That's where I need to be. I need to be in paid off homeland where I don't got no worries. Raphael, if you had a paid off home, what would you do, man? What would you do? What does that look like for you? What would I do? I mean, uh, I could do a lot of investing. Right. I, the thing is, I would. The thing is, I wouldn't even need. Wouldn't even need a, a six figures um, income if you get rid exactly. of the, the housing expense. You don't even need a lot of money to invest. You really don't. Exactly. You don't. You. It. It really. Outside of housing expense lifestyles really aren't that lavish. Like, especially if you're grown, like, do, do you go shopping once a week for clothes, Raphael? No. Yeah, hell no. You probably go shopping like every six months for clothes or every three months for clothes. Not that often. Right, I, I got shirts that I've had for years. I got suits that I've had for years, shoes I've had for years. The biggest expense is our housing expense. And that's how they keep us trapped is that housing expense, man, especially in California. It's nuts out here. Yeah, man. That housing expense, uh Free that up, free your whole life up, man. Right. You know, health. You, I don't know if you ever moved back home with your parents, but I've had situations where, like, I had to move back home with my parents, like, after college, and you don't got no worries. It's just like you, you do what you want to do, you drive what you want to drive, you eat what you want to eat. It's just lovely. Uh, in law school, for part of law school, I was living at home, and it allowed me to not have to work. I only worked weekends. What does your life look like if you only have to work part-time? You could work part-time and still exist. That means you have all of your time. And so you don't even necessarily have to give up the job full-time if you have a paid-off home. You could just work part-time. Like, oh, I, I, work, I work Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I work Monday and Wednesday. I don't work Fridays. I don't want to work Fridays anyway. But uh-huh. that housing expense, man, get rid of it. I don't care if you got student loans. That housing expense, because think about it. You default on your student loans, what they're going to do? Get mad send you a letter, (laughs) but they can't kick you out of your house. They can't make you homeless. And that's why somebody asked me, they're like, oh, well, are you going to pay off all your student loans? I'm like, why? Why should I pay off all my student loans? That doesn't make any sense. It's not going to benefit me as long as I keep them current, as long as I'm paying down the balance so I'm not getting fucked by interest rates. I would rather have a paid off house than paid off student loans because paid off house is freedom. Paid off student loans are just like the illusion of freedom. Like we made it. We don't owe anybody anymore. 
but you still got to work. You still got to show up. <laughs> and like a lot of these, a lot of these student loans are income based, not asset based. So imagine if you're like, oh yeah, I'm only working part time right now, then your student loan payments can be reflective of your part time. But I mean, if you take care of that, I know a lot of people who house hack and they get that housing expense out of the way and they use that freedom to accelerate their debt pay down. So it's not either or you paying off your student loans, you paying off your home will actually allow you to pay off your loans a lot faster. Now you just replace that loan payment with your mortgage and just accelerate and knock it out. Right, right, right. I mean, if you didn't have a housing expense, you could work at McDonald's. Like if you lost your job or whatever, you hit hard time, you work at McDonald's and still survive, like you said. Exactly. And be chilling. It's it's really nothing that could take you down at that point in time. That is freedom forever. Just be chilling. Freedom forever. And then the crazy part about it is like Chris did that. He bought his house in cash and then started killing it even more. So it's like people think that like, we're just some people who were like, we got lucky. Like, no, we've been working at this for a long time. We're going to keep working at this. We're going to keep hustling. So just because you have a paid off home doesn't mean like we lazy. Like, no, now we're really kicking it. Now we're really double time in it. That's why billionaires are billionaires. A lot of people think that money is going to make you lazy. It's going to make you complacent. It's going to make you whack. When a lot of the hardest working people are the people with the most money. And that's a problem with the African-American community because we assume if you give a man something, he's going to be a lazy and sit at home. Like, no, like if you give him something he can build with, he's only going to make a better life for your daughter. But you're over here like, no, I got to make sure I take care of my daughter so she don't got to struggle. And now she's struggling because she got a dude who ain't shit. When you could, because men, when we get it, we create a family. Women, when they get it, they don't want a family. (laughs) They want (laughs) to travel. (laughs) They just want to travel with their girlfriends. They're like, oh, yeah, where we going next? Girls, I was thinking about this. I was like, if my wife had as much money as I had and I wasn't like beasting, I was like, would she be taking care of me like I take care of her? I was like, probably not. They'd be like, he whack. He's sitting on the couch. You over here, blah, blah, blah. You need to leave him, girl. Like, dang, that's how y'all doing it? Shout out to Double Standards. Sponsor of the show, Double Standards. Shout out to my view. Views, lifestyles, get your bag. Now, you touched on this a little bit. You had a tweet saying, letting them educate you and employ you and give you the loans on your home sounds a lot like slavery. Yeah, man. Um, so I was I was um I was looking at my car and I was like, it's crazy. Like, I didn't have to ask anybody to approve me for this car. And then I was thinking about like just the term approve. And I'm like, we really out here just letting people determine whether we can have what we want and do what we want to do. And then I kind of thought about the house situation. I was like, that's crazy to me. Like, I just, I don't want to live a life where it, whether I get a raise is up to somebody's discretion or whether I can move is up to somebody's discretion. Whether I can take a vacation is up to somebody's discretion. Because that to me sounds like somebody else controlling what I do, what I can have, where I can go, what I can earn. And that to me sounds like bondage and bondage is slavery. And I feel like if you connect it in that term, it connects. If you just take that leap, I think sometimes we got to break stuff out and we got to actually take the steps in between what I'm saying, what I'm really, and I guess that's the point of Tweet Talks. But to me, I just see all these things as bondage. And so the book Millionaire Fastlane, it talks about any debt that ties you to a job is bad debt. And so he was using that term in reference to student loans. But the same can be true with like home loans. They're going to approve you for the most part based on your income and your W-2s and all that. It doesn't have to be like that, though. I'm finding that wealthy people make up their own rules. And so while the average person might think buying a house in cash is unrealistic, wealthy people wouldn't do it any other way. 
and they just don't exist by the norms of other people. And so I had a tweet and it was talking about how like once people create their own norms, they don't just accept the norms that have been handed to us because the norms that have been handed to us are meant to control us. They're meant to keep us in bondage. They're meant to keep us in control at other people's whim. And that's not the life that I want for myself. Now, the beauty of that is when you have all these things working for you, like we have to rethink how we want to live. I feel like as African-Americans, we tend to kind of follow white people advice. We need to be following black people's advice in a white world or in a white America. And I don't really subscribe to a white America concept, but let's just say like in America. And for black people or for immigrants to move in America, there's certain things that we have to do that they might not have to do, or maybe that they're already doing. It just looks different. Let's always talk about ownership and starting a business and teamwork and getting the right degrees and being willing to work when they're not working. These are ways to get it in America that might not look like what everybody else is doing. So the reason why I bring that up is because that's how you crack the code. And we have to crack their code that they set before us. If we follow what they're set, we're following into their trap. Just like all the media that they produce, all the stuff that they're putting out there on TV, we're just falling into their trap. They're telling us, oh, this is what you should be doing next. This is what you should be doing next. And you don't need no man and blah, blah, blah. And so I want people to see that that is what's happening. And I think the great thing is since we live in America, you don't really, you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do not just the freedom to do what they say you're supposed to do. And on the other side of that is wealth. If you have a paid off home, now you're existing in wealth. Now you can take your time and build a business. Now you have all your income from your working income. And so you're just stacking cash. And now you can start investing that cash. And now you can start owning more things. And it's just a snowball effect. So your paid off home really is just a snowball effect for more great things. Now you own your time, which allows you to actually work for yourself instead of working for another person's family, out there building wealth for their family. And that's what we should all aspire to be. It's amazing how many companies and brand names out there are people's last names, family names, and you don't even realize it. Almost every supermarket and a lot of business, all these companies with these funny names, it's like, where did you come up with that from somebody's last name? Mm-hmm. I mean, Europe or some, some crap like that. Like The solid. fact that it's a family name, to me, indicates it's a family business. So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. <laughs> Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring, regular sneakers and convert them to unique, dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to get, get, get laced with Get Lace Shoelaces. Yes, yeah, Get Lace is a lifestyle shoelace retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of products, creativity, and cultural understanding. We just want you to upgrade your sneakers. So get laced. Visit GetLaceLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at GetLace.com. Underscore Upgrade your sneakers with a black-owned business that provides international shipping, wholesale, custom, and fundraising options. Upgrade them sneakers, baby. Use a genius, man. Get yours today at GetLaceLaces.com. Premium sneakers need premium laces. And that's a hack in itself. I was thinking about this even in L.A. because I was driving around Inglewood today, and I was kind of disappointed. I was like, we're in Inglewood, and I don't feel like these businesses are black-owned. Like, I don't even feel like any business really in, like, any, anywhere in California, you're black owned. And the way that you get there is you combine your efforts. You get 
the mom and the dad and the brother and the sister all working towards the same vision instead of working towards separate visions. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know why, why, why do we do that? Why is it that we feel like this is my business and my brand and I'm going to rent it over here. Don't, don't ask for no help. Don't help me do this. Don't invest into my business. And we do things as individuals. And I feel like you just setting yourself up to lose when you, when you play the individual game. Right. Everybody else plays the group game. And you, I was going to say this tweet that you had. You had, uh, you tweeted, none of us should be doing shit alone. Not building a business, not running for office, but redeveloping with community. That solo shit is whack. I have a friend who's running for office. And um, it was so cool. Like, I saw him posting some stuff. And I've always supported whatever he's done. I'm just a very supportive person. But I was like, every one of us should be supporting him getting into office. He's running for Senate. He's very qualified to um, serve in sitting. He has a JD, has an MBA. He's worked as a public defender. And I just, I don't feel like we have a, a large central push in getting him into Senate. And that frustrates me because now he's having to go out to strangers when he has this huge base. He's a Sigma, so he's in the same frat as me. Mm-hmm. And so I reposted his video on both of my pages. I put it on my personal page and on my business page, which has a large following on both. And I was like, we should all be pushing him forward. It shouldn't just be him pushing himself forward. And what's really important is like people are so focused on who the president is and who's going to do whatever, even the names of like the people who have been killed, but we're not pushing forward positive success. We're not creating things like locally. And what's great and what also is like a derivative of helping other people that you know when, especially if you help. And this is why people do it, because when you help people get into positions of power, they look out for you. And so for me, I'm like, I probably should have actually helped him out more because it's going to benefit me in a lot of ways. There's a reason why I have accomplished certain things. That's just for my MO all the time. That's for my lifestyle. That's what I do. I just help people um, because I know that it, we exist in abundance. If he gets into Senate, maybe I could get into Senate. Maybe I could get into Congress. Maybe I could do all these different cool things. And that's what we rob ourselves of when we make people do it individually. When you hold other people back, you hold yourself back. If you don't help anybody push forward, you're still holding yourself back. So for me, I'm going to propel myself forward by propelling him forward. And if other people want the same, they should be doing the same. And we as a culture should be doing the same. But we have to have this mentality where it's not this whole, I got mine, you better get yours type situation. You got to be willing to push somebody forward when you get to the top as well. And so I just, there's so many benefits that come from working with the team outside of just that main goal. There's derivative things that are going to kind of be, be, be uh, kind of land on you. There are connections that are going to land on you. There are just new levels of exposure that are going to land on you. But we can't get there if we aren't willing to help one another. We can't get there if we're just like sitting on our hands complaining about Donald Trump. Who are we to, and that's the thing that people don't understand about me, is like people will say, oh, oh Charles doesn't care about Black Lives Matter, blah, blah, blah. But I'm putting money on his campaign and I'm helping promote him, even if he is a Democrat. Like, I feel like his principles are still going to align on the whole, because at the end of the day, we're all pushing for black success. I might not agree with you in regards to like police shootings, but you can't not say that I'm not pushing for black success. It just might not have the same method as you. Nevertheless, I just feel like we as a community need to see the value in helping each other. Because when you help somebody, you always get a return on that help. And so if you don't help somebody, you can't get a return on nothing. 
if you're listening to this, I, I beg of you to focus on helping people. That's what took my business to the next level. I help people. I celebrate people making even more money than I make from the content that I produce. That's how we get there. We get there by putting everybody above ourselves, and then you rise up alongside of them. Yeah. Now you're talking about like, why, why do we do this solo stuff so much? I think part of it is, you know, you, you're talking about putting your last name on something. People want to have their last name on stuff, especially men. But the, the problem with that is early in the show, we were talking about being an invisible billionaire. Does anybody know who Steve Ballmer is? It's not called Bombersoft, but he's rich AF. It's not called Tim Cooksoft, but he's rich AF. We lack a basic understanding of building wealth in America. And so all we know is job and slave. That's all we know in America. We don't know what ownership looks like. We don't. And so we don't know what power and control looks like. And so we're going about accomplishing these things with the naive and uninformed perspective. Right. I also think part of it is like this idea that, you know, if you don't, if you didn't get it, yourself is it's, it's lesser than you know if i didn't if i didn't do it all by myself then people are gonna say oh you had help you didn't really do it whatever whatever i don't know but, um i feel like the problem with like our ideas is if they were so brilliant we'd have been winning by now and so you have to recondition your thinking you can't if, if your thought process has not yielded success and your goal is success, then you need to change your thought process in a way that is oriented towards success. That might come through reading books, listening to podcasts, talking to successful people. But you can't be out there talking to Ray Ray and Pookie, who ain't got shit, listening to their, their advice on the world. I just, I don't do that. I don't do that <laughs> at all. But it's, fr- and honestly, I'm at a point now where it's like, I don't, I'm not really too big on convincing other people or saving other people, I'm just focus on saving Nolan and Nakia Oglesby. But mm-hmm. for the people who are listening to this, I would just say that the individualism stuff doesn't work. And I'm not even saying that on like a theoretical sense. I'm saying that from having seen it. I didn't just come up with the team sport concept. I heard Dr. Clyde talk about it, but I also saw it in banking all the time. Um, the individual stuff does not work. And I don't, I don't know why we keep doing it. And I think we need to, to let's just try it. Just try it. <laughs> just try it. Try it for a year and see what happens if you help other people. And let's see if your life does not improve. And then if it doesn't improve, then you can go back being a crab. That's that's <laughs> at least you could say you tried not being a crab. Right. Let me ask you something. You said you, you see so in banking. What do you mean specifically? Um, um, so I would say the most obvious example is you would pull up like these accounts and you would see that like everybody was connected to that same account. So of course the the mom and the dad were connected. Uh, oh, like a family bank. Yeah. It was like, everybody was just connected to the same account. Everybody shared resources. So what the dad had in his account, his son had access to what the dad had in his account, the mom and the daughter had access to the credit cards, all that stuff was just shared resources. I don't feel like we exist like that. I feel like in a lot of instances, it's like this, my money over here. But I was listening to Dana Chanel and she was talking about how she had, she had gone to like juniors to get some cheesecake and she brought it home and she put it in the fridge and she came into there and, t- and she like, like later on, she walked into the kitchen. She saw her dad like eating out of the pie and she like flipped out and he was like family meeting right now. And he was like, anything that comes in this house belongs to all of us. It's not one person's cheesecake or resources. Like, 
And if you don't agree with that mentality, you got to go because you are a plague on this family. If you don't feel like what you bring into this family belongs to everybody in this family, then you aren't of no benefit to this family. And I don't know why we live this individualistic mentality, this individualistic lifestyles, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I feel like that's why some people have been given a pass to underachieve. In Asian families, you're not given a pass to underachieve because what you do reflects on the dynasty. What you do reflects on the family. Whereas we're just like, well, if I fuck up, then I just fucked up. Like, no. And, and it does weigh on you. Like, I have family members who have made mistakes who have pulled on my life. I've had to circle back and help them raise their kids, help them get out of bad situations. And this most recently, I kind of almost got pulled into it. My wife was like, no, like that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is us. You can't be out here trying to save the whole world. And the beauty of that is maybe they'll get their shit together and they'll start adding value to the family instead of extracting value to the family. Because that's the way it should be. We should all be contributing. We shouldn't just be doing whatever we want to do and just like acting as if we're not all connected because we are all connected. If I don't hold up my end of the bargain, then I'm pulling down somebody else. If they don't hold up their end of the bargain, then they're pulling down me. And we should all be working towards a productive goal, not just merely being out here living for the sake of living. Like, I'm just, I do what I want to do. Like, I've never been the I do what I want to do type person. I do what's right and I track towards what's right. I run against a lot of opposition for people who do what they want to do, but that's never been my MO. I've always known I have a goal. Right. Now, uh, talking about this, I mean, I think we definitely need to get on this teamwork thing heavy. Like I mentioned, uh, family, the, the concept of a family bank, like having family members just put money into the same account so they could just make moves when the opportunity presents itself. And I was reading somewhere, I think, Black folks, we should start thinking about what we have in our families. Like before we even start looking outside, uh, what does my family have? What capital does my family have? And this is easier if you get along. Like you may not have done financial stuff together before, but if you get along, it makes it easier. But you, you sit down, you think about what does my family have? And this is not just money, but what, what talents do they have? And I saw somewhere they said that's, uh, you, you got to think not just about the financial capital of your family, but also the, the human capital. Who's in the family and what talents they have? What can they do? What skills they have? How can you utilize those skills and talents to further the family? And you might have a kid that wants to be a mechanic. I mean, we could pay for him to go to school to learn to be a mechanic. And that benefits the family, you know? So you got to think along those lines. I feel like that is kind of what I was trying to say, like the talents, the education, the experience, you, you put all that together and you, you, instead of deciding what business you're going to go into, you decide what business the family is going to go into. And people respect that. I've always had a quote that was like, wealth is familial. And so you go to the bank and you got a family like, oh yeah, we're here to get this loan. And we got this, we got this, we got this, we got this, as opposed to just one person popping out there. And they're like, oh, never mind. And Dr. Boyce Watkins, he always talks about how you have all these professionals in one family, one house. And one person, let's say he's a doctor, he goes out and he works for this hospital. One person's a lawyer, he goes and works for this law firm. One person's an engineer, he works for that firm. Instead of bringing all those talents inside of the house and building a family firm, Mm. we can't be stopped. I feel like for us to be losing and not be pivoting strategically, it makes 100% no sense. It's like, do we just want him to lose? Have we given up all hope? And that's why I think that we need to start showcasing the people who have done it right. 
the A.G. Gastons, all these people out there who have done it right, Reginald Lewis's, because then we can start taking the principles from their life and applying it to our life instead of just watching LeBron dunk on people. <laughs> yeah, you watch you watch sports, and at the end of it, you know you know further along than you were before the game started. Like you get entertained, but if you were broke, living in a a shack when the when the game is over, when you look around, you're still living in that same shack, mm-hmm. and you're no closer to moving out of that shack. Yep. You know, so I mean, if you want to watch the game, watch the game, but just know what you're doing to yourself. Mm-hmm. So, Charles, you said you only get one life. Got to hustle till your eyes close. Um, so I was looking at this, uh, this rehab that we're finishing up, and I was like, wow, like we really did that. And so people will look at the before and after pictures, but they don't realize all the stress that goes into that. They don't realize all the frustration, all the fear, all the uncertainty, all the money that was spent. And so you see the pictures and I'm like, that's a lot of cash. That's a lot of learning lessons. That's a lot of uncertainty. That's a lot of me sending texts that don't get responded to me being halfway across the country and people go dark on me. And I'm like, are we ever going to get this done? And so I was looking at that and I started listing like all the things that I'm doing because I had a vending machine issue. And the vending machine guy's like, oh, you got to get out there and fill out the machine. So I went out there this morning and then we're filling a, a rental property. I'm like, oh, well, we got the, the rental property tenants like sending me this stuff for her, her application, all that stuff. And then not to mention, we have a 4,800 member options community. Not to mention, we have an online e-com business. Not to mention, we have um, social media running. Not to mention, we have two podcasts. Not to mention, we are doing a three-family rehab. But I was like, what else is there to do besides this? Like, what else? If we're not out here doing as much as we can, why are we even living? And so that was kind of like the point of that tweet is I do a lot because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to leave our mark on this world. But also I do a lot because I want a lot of freedom. I need as much cash flow and as much income as possible. And if I was actually able to sit down and not have to work a nine to five, I think my stuff would be even more tight. But having the resources that we have now allows us to really pick up the pace and get stuff done. It's not so much like haggling. It's not so much waiting. It's like, oh, okay, this needs to be done. It's, it's getting done. We need to fix these windows, fix the windows. We need to fix this, fix it. And we can be better landlords now that we have the resources to be better landlords. But really the, the point of that tweet was in, in motivating myself because it's very easy to start thinking that you don't do enough when people start kind of like trying to be critical and you got to remind yourself who the hell you are and what you've accomplished and what you have done and what you are doing, especially when you're at the job and they want to kind of nick you into this one role. Like I do a lot and they would never even know because I don't brag about it anymore. I don't tell my job about what I'm doing. I keep it on the low and I just focus on doing it for the sake of freeing my son and my wife. But outside of that, it's like, that's life, man. Life is a hustle, especially when you are creating assets and creating things for other people. It's like my, my vision is so much even larger now. I feel like maybe before my son, because like, I feel like <clears throat> having a son, it taught me how to take care of other people and not just him, but now I take care of a lot of people. <laughs> I don't know, maybe too many people. And, uh, <laughs> but I think that's a good, it's a good 
mentality to have if you want to exist at a certain level. It's like a boss is one that guarantees that we're all going to eat, as Rick Ross says. And the hustle to your eyes closed is actually a Rick Ross uh, quote as well. But that's the mode, especially because my wife's not working. Like I told her, I work for us now. Like you think just because you ain't working doesn't mean that we don't got to be working. That means I got to do 80 hours a week now. I could, if we do 40 hours a week, we're going to be broke. So I'm sorry that I'm not here every night at eight o'clock. I'm not here every night at six o'clock or I have to go on Saturdays. But if you want to stay home, that's a sacrifice that you have to make. You can't have your cake and eat it too, woman. (laughs) Uh, I think, you know, I always thought that was a strange thing. You can't have your cake and eat it too because it made no sense. Mm -hmm. But I think I found out, I ran across it in an old book. I think it, the original saying was the other way around. You can't eat your cake and have it too. That makes sense. But anyway. Makes sense, Raphael. You had a tweet. We already talked about this a little, kind of talked about this, but I want to go back to this tweet though. You said, let's stop telling folks what they can and can't do and just start helping them do more shit. So shout out to the girl who started her do-rag company. And then also shout out to the girl who started her, um, she started like a lock company like a lock oil company oh is that near the lock goddess or something like that yeah and she made like a million dollars and um i was very impressed i was very impressed by by both of them um but i don't know nia's story but i know that when the durag girl first kind of came on the scene everyone was like oh her logo was bad you can't read her logo who's gonna buy from Mm. her if you can't read her logo and they just, like, that was a big thing. They were just hating on her. Like, they took an African-American woman at, like, 20 years old, opening up a store on Melrose, which is not an inexpensive area, and they turned it into a reason to be critical. And I found that, like, we do that to our own more than they do that to us. Quite honestly, I'll be talking about white people, but white people are usually the people who are helping us, not the people that are holding us back. And it's usually the African-American people that are holding us back and not helping us um, within context. And so... It frustrates me because I've experienced it. And I know a lot of people, they're like, oh, man, you just got to ignore the naysayers. But we can't move forward as a culture if we don't correct the culture. And a lot of times we just let the culture do whatever the hell they want to do. And they don't realize, like, it's not even just about her. It's about the other people that you're discouraging from starting. It's about the other people that you are, like, telling it's no hope. It's no chance. I don't exist like that. I think all things are possible. I'll never shoot down a business idea ever because you never know. You never know. I heard Google back in the day was called like backpack or something like that. Like, isn't that crazy? Oh, back rub. I think somebody back said. rub. There we go. Back rub. And you can change. You can improve. But the thing is, is she's had tremendous success in doing what she's doing. Just a bunch of people coming out there to support her. And all we were doing is like saying, oh, no, you can't. Now, granted, a lot of people that are supporting her are African-American people. And so we have to realize, like, the criticism is not just, like, oh, only Black people criticize and they never support because she gets support and she gets criticism. But I've always said that if you don't have something that's going to uplift that business or something that's going to help that Black business, just keep it to yourself. Because we are out here grinding with no support, no help, no handouts, no million-dollar loans from our parents. We're all out here first-gen for the most part just figuring it out as we go. So let's say she puts out the logo and she realizes that maybe people can't read it. I'd rather her figure it out by trying it than you just telling her not, it's not going to work because it did work. And so you're over here trying to aim for perfection because you think perfection is the standard in business when it's not. 
the perfection, the standard in business is progress. Are you making progress? Are you putting something out there? That's what matters. Carl and I has a logo nobody can read. A lot of who have logos, they can't even mm. read. And people are not over here like, I'm not buying Carl Kanai. At one point in time, he was like one of the biggest designers out there. I just want us to support each other as opposed to limiting each other. Too often, we want to tell people what's a limit instead of telling them what's possible or even helping them to get what they can get. Like, if you believe that she needs a better logo, design one for her and give it to her. Uh-huh. But don't just be sitting on the sidelines criticizing, saying, this can't work, this can't work, this can't work. Because you sound like hate. He said, if it don't, if it's not celebrate, it sounds like hate. Anything that's not productive or helpful or pushing you towards that direction is hate, period. I remember um, when they were talking about her logo and she was already, I think she was already making money at that. She was, the business was already successful by the time they were hating on her logo. Like, she's like, what do you mean? Like, I'm already making this much money already. How are you going to tell me I'm not going to be successful? I'm already there. That was weird too. Like, you guys are behind. But I, I feel like that speaks more to what people want, not necessarily what's happening. And sometimes people want to, people, people aren't, anybody who speaks limits over your life isn't trying to help you. They're only trying to hinder you. They're just trying to crab you out. That's the, the epitome of a crab. And I was thinking about that too. I was like, man, like people didn't really come for me until they saw like all the sales I was getting and all the retweets I was getting and all the affiliates that I had. That's when they started coming from. They could sense that I was making money. If like I had the course for a long time and nobody brought it to my attention until it became very successful. So it's very interesting that like, but it's, it's, it's the hood, man. We don't realize like Twitter mixes a lot of stuff. You don't realize it's the hood, but it's the hood, Raphael. <laughs> it really is. You, it, we just all on the same internet, but we really in, like they in the hood. They ain't, they ain't at the U.S. bank on the 28th, man. They just not here. They, I don't know where they at. Yeah, hood Twitter. They are hood, hood Twitter. Man, get on Twitter. Mm, you want a gated community? So, right. And so you got to, you got to, this is a gated, gated community. Please get the F off the property. You got a stiff armor, man. And it's, I'm not even, like the thing is, is I'm not even against people. I'm against mentalities mm-hmm. and attitudes. If you have great energy, if you are supportive, if you are helpful, welcome to the, to the, to the suburbs. But if you're negative, if you're a hater, if you're bitter, if you're angry, get thee to the a nunnery. Stay in the projects. In the words of Todd Billion, enjoy the projects. Enjoy the projects. But um, speaking of the lady and her brand, it reminds me of a, a story I ran across lately of a 16-year-old African-American girl by the name of Paris McKenzie. There was a new story about her. She opened up a beauty supply store by the name of Paris Beauty Supplies in the Flatbush area of Brooklyn, New York. 16 years old. Wow. We can do whatever we want. We, if we focus more on putting products out there, we would be unstoppable. I'd rather you put a product out there than get a job. 16 years old and she opened up a beauty supply store. Said her mother's also an entrepreneur. So, you know, I guess she saw her mother. And she said, I know, she, in the story she was saying, I know a lot about business because I, I, I started helping my mother run her business from when I was young. So I know about finances and certain things. And her mother has like two other businesses on the same street. And, um, yeah, you have a tweet saying, your product might not but not be for everybody. Good news is you don't need everybody. Um, I, I, I pointed that out because I feel like a lot of times when people start criticizing you, they're acting as if you were setting out to please them in the first place. They were acting as if they are your customer base. 
they're acting as if their opinion has the ability to deem you successful or unsuccessful. And if they have criticism and if they have hate, that means the product is just not for them. Now, I also say that because I want people to not allow people to put limits on their business. I don't want people to allow somebody's opinion to deem their product worthy or unworthy because the same people who are telling that girl that her, her logo is illegible are also telling her like, why would somebody buy a $40 do-rag? Well, you might not buy a $40 do-rag, but somebody might. And they're going to mm-hmm. see it as a luxury item. And obviously somebody has been selling $40 do-rags. We had Dantes on the show and he ran into an issue where he was selling do-rags that had like logos on it that he couldn't actually sell legally. And so he ended up having to like not do it. And so it's like, how do you get to the point where you can do something at that level? We don't even know what's really possible for us. We don't really know what we can and can't sell because we're not trying. We're just allowing these smart, mm. broke people to tell us what's possible and what's not possible. So the same thing is true when you have that course. Yeah, somebody might not need your wholesaling course, but somebody might. Somebody might not need that tax course or that credit course, but somebody might. The world is so big. One of the things that Chris taught me is no matter how many sales you can get, there's always more customers out there. If you sold 20,000 of one product, there's always more customers out there. But even that 20,000, which could make you rich, that 20,000 is only a drop in the bucket versus the 100 million people that are out there. So this is why you gain a following when you just kind of tweet your truth. Because everybody might not like what you have to say, but there are some people who deeply resonate with what you have to say. And so you have to be your authentic self and put out your authentic self to the world because people are going gravitate, to gravitate towards authenticity. Everybody else is saying the same thing. Everybody else is selling the same thing. And this is why when I started my initial podcast, and I think this is why Tweet Talk is so powerful because there is no Tweet Talks. There's a lot of shows that bring on guests and interviews guests, but there's only one Tweet Talk. And I think that's why people tune in. But that was just me telling people that people and their opinions don't matter because there are so many people out there for you to let the opinion of one person stop your business. Way too many people out there. Why would you let one person outweigh the potential impact of hundreds of millions of people who are just waiting for what you have to sell to them, who are located in states that you never even heard of? And that's what makes e-com so powerful. Sell what you have to sell. There's always a market for anybody, but there's not a market if you never bring it to market. Yep, yep, yep. Put it out there. Put it out there. I want you to put something out there, Rafael. Don't be listening to all this tweet talk and not putting stuff out there, man. We need more shirts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And what you're saying, the whole thing, you you had a tweet saying, copying another person's successful idea isn't going to get you that bad. Man, I've been noticing that a lot of people are creating options courses or creating options consulting. And I'm like, that's so crazy to me because you weren't even thinking about options like four months ago. And now you're like, I got this options content. And this is just me being real. I, I just feel like people, they don't want to share their actual game. So if there's somebody who is like an accountant, mm-hmm. they don't want to give you the actual game of accounting because they're like, well, then I'm less viable than they know what I know. They don't want to teach a tax course. They don't want to teach a credit course. They don't want to teach a banking course. They don't want to really dig into the details of what they do. Instead, they rather see what somebody else is doing successful and just kind of imitate that. And I started looking around at like 
all these clones that are that I have of me. I'm just like, this fucking sucks. It's like, why are they all cloning me, man? I, I just want to be me. I'm glad we still got a, we got the authentic exclusive on Tweet Talk, but man, that's just not how you do it. That's not how I do it. I read a book a long time ago called The Blue Ocean Theory or Blue Ocean Strategy. And so for me, when I'm investing or when I'm doing anything, I'm always looking for that blue ocean. I'm not looking for somebody else's ocean. And that's another kind of key to having a successful community. You can't have a successful community where you have people competing over the same shit. We have to get out of that mentality of competing for the same shit. When you compete, we all go broke. And I've mentioned this on Twitter multiple times. I have two books I always cite, The Miseducation of the Negro, where it talks about like one black dude opens a restaurant and another dude sees its success and goes over there and opens a restaurant next door and now they're both out of business. And then also in the book Zero to One, where he talks about like competition drives down profits. Competition benefits the consumer, not the creator. Mm. And so I want us to, as a culture, adopt the habit of creating, not competing, not swerving into somebody else's lane, not doing what somebody else is doing. And I I guess I get it because, I mean, other cultures kind of do it too. They're like, they got a taco shop. I got a taco shop too. They got Mm -hmm. a Chinese food restaurant. I got a Chinese food restaurant too. But you don't see too many like wealthy, wealthy taco shop owners. They're just getting by. It's like, I'm just making it, right? It's like, there's no wealthy. Exactly. Unless you own Panda Express, but they got a monopoly on Panda Express, commercial Chinese food. And so, yeah, they're not poor, but they're not on the Forbes. You don't get on the Forbes competing. You get on the Forbes creating. There's one Facebook, there is one Apple, and they Mm -hmm. dominate their space. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you have to get, and that's just, this is honestly, this is like business advice for me. You got to get into a business with a moat and a moat is an advantage, an advantage that most people can't cross over and just adapt. And so as I mature in business, the goal isn't to just go into business to make money. The goal is to go into business that allows me to kind of dominate a space because anything that everybody can do is not going to make you a billionaire. And I'm aiming for Billy levels now. And I got to I got to switch it up. I don't want to be in spaces where everybody can play in. Billionaire status. Challenge to the people listening to the show. What business can you start that will help the most people? Let's get it. So Charles, you had another um, along the same lines. Your business success and agreement for your peers don't, don't go hand in hand. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these tweets are kind of like along the same grain. But I just had this thought of like doing all these things, like I have, oh, Kose. so I want to say having business partners sucks. And I used to really think that I wanted business partners because it kind of, it takes the stress off and the pressure off. And now it's kind of like, well, it's not all on me now, but maybe you need it to be all on you because whenever I have business partners, we always kind of like struggle to do things. And we, we, everything becomes a discussion. And so if you're doing too much talking, you ain't doing no work and they're pushing forward. I'd rather push forward with an idea and not get the greatest amount of sales than have to vet every idea that I want to launch. Mm. And so along with that, your business partners kind of become your peers. And I don't want no peers. I don't want the approval of my peers. I don't want them to be able to say whether I should or shouldn't do things. And that's why I don't ask for a lot of advice. I just be doing shit. And people don't like that. People are like, why are you always just doing stuff? You should be asking me, getting my approval, blah, blah, blah. I was like, because if I ask you to approve, I wouldn't make any progress. If I ask your approval, if I ask you to co-sign on what I'm doing, we'd be sitting back there having multiple meetings over and over again instead of like, 
kind of money. I'd rather count money <laughs> than just be having discussions. So that was kind of what that tweet meant. Count the money. Let me count the money. And shout out to uh, Michelle Welch. Saw her on Twitter, aka the uh, mompreneur. Saw her on Twitter celebrate saying that she got her first Todd Capital affiliate sale. Yeah, we're doing some cool stuff with Michelle. Todd Capital is an army full of women and Raphael. <laughs> yeah. So, what's next with View? The View's uh, luggage brand. So we just got our recent bags in. We got the backpacks. And then we also got the um, the duffel bag garment bags. So we're going to get those out there, but also doing a bunch of giveaways. So giving a bunch of way to like friends and family, uh, coworkers, because you got to saturate the market. You got to get your product out there. You got to get your brand out there. It's not about taxing everybody, especially when you're so you so new. Mm-hmm. So just been giving out a bunch of stuff. Um, I also have some orders I need to fill. So I got some bags I need to ship because people had pre-ordered the bags that we have. And, um, you know, updating the website, getting some photo shoots. I need to get some more pictures so I can kind of make the brand real. Um, people like that stuff that we created. And, you know, just trying to 10x. I know it's going to take three years to build this brand. So that's where I approach everything. And so it's probably going to look like putting views ads on podcasts, mm-hmm. putting views ads at the end of all my blogs and content, and putting stuff out there and just chopping the wood. And we know... It's, it's just going to take time. I don't know if you saw, but Chris had recently launched a new watch. That thing was fly. Chris put out a new watch for 17th watches. And I was like, that is a nice watch. And so these businesses, man, they grow. And we always are over here looking for that quick buck. We're looking for that year one turnaround. And we don't even realize like what our, our brands could grow into if we just stick with them and keep chopping the wood and keep promoting them and keep advertising and keep growing them. So I'm thinking long-term with this. I'm thinking just promoting it, advertising it, and building it with a, a view on three to five years, what it could grow into. You never know it might turn into a travel company. It could turn into so much stuff, but you never really know unless you just kind of engage in business for the sake of doing business. I always talk about that. Like, we don't do business to make money. We do business because we're business people. And so if times get rough, if we don't go get a job, we start another business. If time gets tough, we just got to go harder on the business. And so that's my own, that's my only strategy is I need to build a, another business. So a part of me is also starting this business because I want to make sure that I have something in place just in case. So if sales fall off in other areas, then it's like, I got this other brand to catch me. It's like a kind of like my insurance. So starting that, I wanted to have a merchandise bag, but it is difficult doing merchandise companies. And I think that's why I kind of got out of it. You got to go down there and ship it. That's a lot of work but digital products sell themselves. So um, that's it. That's what we're doing, man. Hustling, three-year hey. plan, five-year plan. You said customer service is not the responsibility of a boss. Man, I'll be getting customer service. And I'm like, I'm not responding to this shit. I got people for this. <laughs> I, I, that's not my job. My job is not, I, I can't, I get the same questions over and over again. And we've set up a FAQ. And I'm just constantly getting DMs like, oh, I signed up for this. I didn't get the email. Oh, here's my, I didn't get my, um, my affiliate link. I was like, if you didn't get your affiliate link, holla at Paris. Don't holla at me. If you have a customer service issue with Gumroad or LaunchPass, email Gumroad and LaunchPass. They have people set up for that. Don't DM me your customer service issues through Twitter or Instagram. I don't want to see it. I just, I'm not, I can't, you can't. And it might sound, when I first read that in the book, 10X Rule, 10X Rule, he talks about, that customer service is the wrong target. Customer acquisition is the right target. As mm-hmm. a boss, my only job is acquisition, scaling and bringing in more customers. And I've talked about that. My LLC business was great 
my, my LLC business was good, but it wasn't great. Why wasn't it great? Because I would bring in customers and then I had to fill the orders. And what I should have been doing is bringing in customers and then shipping them off to Sierra like I just did recently. I was like, I'm not touching this. I got an LLC client like here, Sierra. Whatever I got to pay you, I'll pay you. But I'm not, I'm not in the business of chasing down paperwork, following up with this stuff. I got people for that stuff. And if you want to scale your business, you got to get out of the weeds of your business. You got to get out of the muck. You got to get out of the mud. You got to start existing at a, a high level because high level brings high money. And I'm trying to get high money, higher money. And I just realized like my business blew up when all I did was promote and advertise and brand and promote and advertise and brand. That's the only thing that I should be doing. That's the only thing a boss should be doing is bringing in more customers, period. Customer service is not my responsibility. Yeah, we're going to have good customer service, but it's not my responsibility. You don't see Jeff Bezos picking up a phone like, hello, this is Amazon. Like, no, that's a $12 hour activity. If you are using your hours to do things that are going to be $12, you're not going to be making billions. You got to look at the value of your hour and the value of your time. Am I doing billion dollar activities or am I doing $12 an hour activities? If I'm doing $12 hour activities, I can't get to billions. And I'm going to have to expect, accept the fact that I'm only making 25 grand a year. You got to shift out of it. You got to pivot out of it. You got to almost do it. Like you have to do it such that even if you could do it, I still don't do it. I get emails. I'm like, yeah, I could add them to Gumroad, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait until Paris gets here and Paris can do it. I'm just not going to do it. If they got to wait two, three days, they just got to wait. Layla will get to you. Paris will get to you. Michelle will get to you. Sharon will get to you. I'm not getting to you. I got, I got to focus on the high level stuff. I got to focus on the hotels. Yeah. That hotels. That, that's what's next. That's yeah, the target. Man. That's the target. Yeah. What is up with the multifamily in, in Detroit? I think, I think you actually mentioned it earlier, but. The three unit? Well, interestingly enough, I got a crazy bid and I'm gonna I rejected the bid. I'm gonna run different numbers. But the bid that I got is just unacceptable. Um, granted, we're trying to be see the thing with contractors, contractors are like wholesalers. Contractors know how much your property is worth. And so they don't necessarily bid it on the actual like cost of the job. They bid it based on the value of the property. Mm-hmm. And so as much money as they can squeeze out of that deal, they're gonna squeeze out of it. If it's like a $30,000, $40,000 property, for some reason, your rehab ends up being as much as that. If it's a $60,000 property, for some reason, your rehab ends up being as much as that. They know the value of these properties and their, and their rehab estimates are subjective. Mm-hmm. And so this might be an instance where I get to finally be a GC like I always wanted to be a GC. And so I'm actually looking for flights to Detroit. I might be in Detroit this weekend um, if I can get to my vending machines before then. But I'm like, you know, I'll walk this myself. I'll call out all the people I need to call out myself. I can spend a week in Detroit and I can get all my electricians, all my plumbers, all my drywall roofers, all my siding, and I could probably get it done for a fraction of the cost. But you start going through, the more people that you put in the middle of between you and your money is the less money that you're going to get out of that deal because everybody wants a cut. Everybody's getting a cut. You got a GC and he's actually working through other people. And he's getting a cut. The other person's getting a cut. This guy gave me a, an estimate for electrical of 20 grand. I'm like, are you serious? You really brought this to me? He was like, well, I mean, what's the most you're trying to spend on this? I was like, the cost? The cost. That's <laughs> what I want to spend. I want to spend what the actual cost is, not what your inflated number is based on whatever you made up because it's not a $20,000 job. The plumbing is not an $18,000 job. Typically in a Detroit home, I've spent about two grand on electrical and about two grand on plumbing. I've never spent these crazy numbers. They're just blowing them up. And granted, it's a three units, so maybe we multiply that. 
okay, now we're looking at six grand electrical and six grand on plumbing, but it mm-hmm. shouldn't be whatever this number he gave me. So that's what's going on. But that's, I'm telling you, that's the struggles that I go through. People give me bullshit and I'm like, I'm not accepting your bullshit. And so they'll see the finished product, but they don't know what it took me to get to that finished product. I'm not like one of these people out here just saying I got a bunch of units. And that's why I see people who say they got a bunch of units. And I'm like, how sway? Because I'll never see y'all going through the stress that I go through. <laughs> I'll be going through stress. They be having a party talking about more units, dude, more units. It's nothing. I'm like, bro, you know how hard it was for me to get this one unit, this two units, these three units? Like, it was not easy. Even like leasing it up, like, it's not easy. I don't, people just be living in real estate bliss on the internet. Because real, real life real estate ain't bliss. <laughs> Let me ask you something. So, this past weekend, you dropped some monster packages. Oh, yeah. On the Todd Capital store. Monstrous. You dropped multiple packages, which contain, each of them contain at least four courses in them, and each package was only 75 bucks. Yeah. There was a lot of value in those packages, man. How, how did they move? Did they move? I'm not yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm I, did, sure I'm, I did well. I did well. We did, about, we did about nine on Friday. We did about, uh, I forgot how much on Saturday, but I know we did like 3,500 yesterday. And then I think today, today has kind of been a slow day, only two grand today. But like over the weekend, we did all right. We did all right. Not, not as much as I would like to, mm-hmm. but it, it was, we didn't run as much promo as we normally do, but we did well. That's cool. And for the listeners, definitely got to check it out. Um, Charles and Tom Capital packaged up a lot of the best, the best courses in the store and just put it up for 75 bucks for each package. And then I removed them. I'm not playing with y'all. That was too much value. <laughs> oh, you removed them already? <laughs> yep. That's cool. But how, did, how was the first uh, meeting of the, the business mastermind group with Tom Capital? Um, I think it was productive. We didn't, it was just kind of like an intro meeting. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like a full on, like, hey, this is what we're doing. That's going to be this Thursday. But I'm loving it because <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, I like it because my philosophy is if I make people money, they're going to give me money. And so my goal is to just give it all away, man. Mm-hmm. Give it all away. Give all the game away. All that I know, um, all that my connections know all that stuff. The goal is to just add value, add value, add value. So Michelle has a lot of this stuff under wraps. She's like kind of the mastermind behind the mastermind. Mm -hmm. She's been killing it. Shout out to her. But it's just another way for me to kind of do a few different things. One is add a bunch of value, but another is create recurring income because these online membership and subscriptions are big money. And when I saw it, I was like, I need another script subscription. This is great. Um, But um, I've tried to do masterminds in the past and they kind of fell off. And I think it's because they weren't paid and I'm not really motivated to do a lot of stuff for free these days. And people also don't take a lot of stuff seriously if they don't pay for it. Right. So this one's going to be a paid one. And it's just something that fits into the brand. And I think it'll fit into the brand even more once I'm not working the job and we'll see what comes of it. Right. For the listeners, we have um, links in the show notes to the brand new business mastermind group. Definitely get in. Charles and other members of the Todd Capital Army <laughs> will be dropping game, like he said, and helping you take your business to the next level. Definitely want to get in there. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Anything uh, you want to leave, leave the crowd with, Charles? Uh, You know, 
just give us some suggestions. How can we improve the show? Uh, the goal is not to be repetitive. So we want to always talk about different stuff. Um, I think we've been adding some really cool elements. So, I mean, the billionaire spotlight, if you want us to talk about a particular person, also kind of talking about the stock market, if there's something that we can add to make the show better, definitely let us know. Um, if you're looking for some Thai Capital merch, we don't sell that. But I need to because this shirt is fire. It's such a cool shirt right here. I got to order some more. I'm ordering some more shirts this week. I was I looking at it. I, I, I was looking at it. I see the, 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 the logo is like floating. It's always like distracting. It does feel like it's floating, huh? Yeah. I don't know how it looks like. The first time I saw you in it, I was, I was wondering, is that real? Is that like a... Like, like a, a virtual, thing. like a virtual background or something. <laughs> I think it is real, but it, the logo is just, like that's funny. It's floating. But, but taking my Raphael. Yep, 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 yep. Shout out to the advertisers, sponsors of the show, investasateam.com, home of the official merch of Generational Wealth. And pick up the shirt, You Can't Fire Me, The Boss. That's at investasateam.com. Also, shout out to Get Laced Laces. You got to upgrade your sneakers with premium laces at getlacedlaces.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow myself, Raphael, on Twitter at workmoneylife. Follow Charles, a.k.a. Todd Millionaire, a.k.a. Featured in Forbes at Todd Billion. And by the way, I was going to say, the idea of you running for office is kind of ridiculous because they're going to be like, Mr. Oglesby, <laughs> um, looking at your Twitter account for the last five minutes, <laughs> you said this, this, and this. Hey, work for Donald Trump, man. They're going to be like, Mr. Oglesby, why are you tweeting right now while you're speaking? <laughs> like I say, follow us on Twitter. You can always fo- also follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. You can follow Charles personal page on Instagram at Todd Billion. Also the Todd Capital business page on Instagram at Todd.Capital and the nonprofit at Bless a Black Man on Instagram. Be sure to check out ToddCapital.co for the money-making courses. Check out Gumroad.com slash Tweet Talk for the upcoming ebook. Don't be a little B. Start a little business. I'd like to leave you guys with one last tweet from Charles. You need to write this down and put stick it up on the wall somewhere. I look at it every day. Every day, I need a new check. <laughs> For episode 66 of Tweet Talk about Well Podcast, Raphael and Charles, we are out. Yes, sir. What's good, Tweet Talk Podcast listener? This is Donald DeVoice, the official editor and producer of the Tweet Talk Podcast. And so I want to come to you to tell you that for the entire month of October, I'm doing a 50% off promo. That's right. I'm slashing the prices 50% off. Donald, why would you do that? Well, it's because doggone it, it's quarter four. And I know some of y'all are ready to get ahead of this 2021 momentum. And so I'm here to help you. So head on over to DonaldDeVoice.com. Go over to the contact tab. Or you can hit me up on Instagram at Donald the Voice. Mention this promo and let's begin talking about your podcast editing, video editing, or voiceover editing needs. That's all I got to say. 50% off. Let's get it. Let's go. Have a good rest of the day. Keep building, baby. Keep building. That's what it is.